Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. We are continuing our review of HBO's Succession. My guilty pleasure, I guess you could call it. I love this show. It's not super popular. Um, it doesn't get great ratings, but I have been watching it since week one. I'm an OG Succession fan. Spencer, how are you enjoying it? I'm really enjoying it so far, and I'm so glad you recommended it. Because like you said, it really has flown under the radar. I mean, it's a made, it's a pretty major production HBO show. It's got a big cast, but it has not found that audience yet. Now, the reviews of it have been great. The people who yeah. are actually watching this adore it, and I can see why. It draws a particular kind of fan. It draws you, wants you to expect a certain thing when you're going in to watch it. But so long as you got that mindset, so long as you know it's even an option to watch, I'm delighted in it so far. It's been a great experience, even on ep- even just through episode two. Yeah, I'm loving it too. Another thing I'm loving is another podcast on the Mangum Talks podcast channel. Mangum Reads, you guys are doing Pottering Around, a chapter by chapter review of J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. You enjoying it so far, Lee? <laughs> Love it. I love it. I love the dynamic. I mean, my wife obviously joins you guys. She's a big Harry Potter fan. You seem, you know, like a blank slate. And BJ does everything he can through the episode to be respectful of my wife, but indicate that he does not like the story. It really feels like we're representing the various aspects of our personality <laughs> that extend beyond Harry Potter, but, you know, putting them into Harry Potter there. Um, but yeah, it, it has been really fun because I know Jack about Harry Potter, which I'm really, it's almost involved effort over the years. Given yeah, that's how- impressive. Everybody I know read it, including at the time and since. Everyone I know has watched the movies. I've got a movie and a half under my belt. I can barely even tell you which ones those were. So it has been a lot of fun for me to finally get exposed to what has been so important for so many of my friends that they were growing up. So it's been a delight to go that chapter by chapter. We just finished off uh, The Sorting Hat and The Potion Master. Um, and we are continuing on from there for a chapter entitled, I believe, The Duel, which I have not read yet and I'm excited to do. Also on Mangum Reads, we are continuing our short story run, which is basically Spencer is not meeting deadlines, so let's do a short story so we have actually something to record each week. Uh, this week we did... <laughs> deadlines? Is that what BJ's calling it now? You have uh, deadlines? <laughs> I've got deadlines. I've got deliverables. There are goals I've got to meet that I am entirely not performing on and we'll hear about in my annual review. Um, this week we did... <laughs> A Witch's Guide to Escape, a Practical Compendium of Portal Fantasies, which is a hell of a mouthful, but is a delightful short story that won the Hugo Award back in 20... Uh, was that 2018 or 2019? I can't remember exactly. But it's a really fun read and was a delight for us to talk about it. Uh, for next week, I am rapidly powering through a full-length novel, so we can get that on in time, titled Station Eleven, which I have not heard about, but both BJ and Sarah are big fans about and keep making little in-jokes and cheeky little laughing things as they talk about me reading it, so... I don't know what I'm going to expect. I'm about 50 pages, 60 pages in. i got more to read this weekend, but I'm liking it so far. Um, seems like a fun post-apocalyptic fan- fantasy or sci-fi kind of mix, and I will have fun talking about it come Monday, assuming I can get done in time. Yeah, that's one of Sarah's favorite things about that podcast is kind of monitoring, because she always reads things way before you do, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of monitoring your reaction as you go along. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun, because both of them read well in advance of me because they actually you know, adhere to deadlines. <laughs> Um, Deadlines. Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, we're a little bit more informal here in the Mangum Talks TV podcast. Yes. Of course. We also have whiskey on the weekends, mm-hmm. which I want to just give a shout out. The, we have an upcoming episode. It's called A Tease in the Business, Spencer, where I review a 130-year-old whiskey. Jesus Christ, how did you find that? I will tell the story on Whiskey on the Weekends, so stay tuned. 
I'm excited to hear about it. Uh, somewhat jealous. I didn't. I wasn't there to try it too, but I heard you guys had a wonderful trip to Asheville that we will hear about on the podcast. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Let's jump into episode two of Succession, the aptly titled episode Shit Show at the Fuck Factory. I did not get that they actually named it that, but that is perfect. <laughs> it is Shit Show at the Fuck Factory. So uh, where we ended the last episode, uh, Logan had some sort of medical... Uh, Logan, the patriarch of the, the Roy family, had some sort of medical episode and was put in the hospital and is unconscious. So that's where we start out. Um, Logan's unconscious. Mm-hmm. The rest of the family is either there or rushing to be at his bedside. And that's how we start. So Kendall is in the limo, um, and he calls his ex, uh, asks her to come to the hospital. He's in a full-on freakout. Yeah. Uh, I think he's like just like begging the taxi cab driver to just, I don't know, hover <laughs> over the other cars or something. I don't know what he expects the cab driver to do. But he's like, hurry up, just go faster. It's New York. This is There's nothing you can do. Sorry, man. Yeah. Um, Kendall gets to the hospital, and the, the family's going nuts. Um, before we... Continue, Spencer. What you drinking? This is a three drink minimum podcast. You've you've termed it that. Yeah, I you know the, my main supply I've got right now is a variety of Stella. I oddly enough have a fridge full of Stella because we thought we were gonna have a party and didn't. So Stella. So I'm on two right now and got a third ready to go when need be. Cool. And I am drinking a George Dickel Twelve Year, which I uh, would recommend to everybody. It's you are delicious. such a classier drinker than I can ever aspire to be. Yeah, more of a professional. Um, <laughs> um, and Kendall is freaking out in this hospital. Back to the recap. Uh, and he's asking if Logan is in the best part of the hospital. That's an actual quote. <laughs> best part of the hospital. Seems to not have any conception of how a hospital runs. And the doctor tries to explain, well, he's in the ICU. Uh, that's where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it just struck me during this scene and subsequent scenes in this episode, just how much of a pain in the ass people with money have to be at oh, hospitals. Yeah. You know, like the sort of, no, 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 you don't understand. We we could buy this hospital. You have to have a bigger room. You have to have better doctor. Like, it's right. just constantly wanting more. You are meant to cater to us because we have the resources necessary to make or end your life. So provide for us in the way we demand right now. Which Roman tees up with this quote. Are they sandbagging us? Do they know who he is? <laughs> <laughs> this is just entitlement reeking out on the show. And it is just, yeah, it is... It, these are frustrating people to watch. I love later on in this episode that Marcia, Marcia, I blank on, I'm, I struggle Marcia. with yep. Marcia just finally shuts all of these entitled pricks up. But yeah, she's she's one of my favorite characters. Um, then we have Roman asking about calling their mother, which Shiv dismisses. So I do want to point out that in the first episode we were calling this character Shiv. Mm-hmm. It's actually Shib with a B. Is it? All right. Yep. Shout out my wife. She corrected me. Um, It's an Irish name. Mentally adjusting. Um, Yep. Shib dismisses the idea. And Connor sort of takes up for Roman. Um, Kendall and Shib's mom. Connor is just kind of always in the background. He's an interesting character because he's a nut. And he clearly is in the circle of trust. But Mm -hmm. he never really is a decision maker about anything. No. And he seems a lot happier as a result of it. That he is purposefully an outsider. He does not want to be involved in the family or corporate dynamics. He has a delightful substantially younger than him girlfriend that we're going to meet shortly in this episode. (laughs) That's a great backstory to that one. Uh, Kendall is demanding updates from a nurse. Now, Spencer, presumably you've been in hospitals. You've visited people in hospitals. Is it ever a good idea to demand anything from a nurse? It is never a good idea to do anything to even moderately piss off a nurse. Nurses are already stressed and overwhelmed. 
do not add to that or she'll make you suffer. And that's exactly what happens here. She does not really uh, take to his, his questioning and badgering. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Kendall drops this pretentious as fuck line. The socioeconomic health of multiple <laughs> continents is dependent upon his well-being. <laughs> Even his family has to call him out on that one when he says it. Just like, dude, what the, did you read that somewhere? Yeah, she was like, socioeconomic health? <laughs> the nurse does not respond well to that hyperbole and just basically walks off. No, but they spend the rest of this episode Googling doctors and medical conditions to, you know, put their superior knowledge at play for what the hospital should be doing with their father. <laughs> I don't know, Spencer. That kind of reminded me of you a little bit. Oh, yeah, it is. This is why I'm criticizing it all the more. It's very close to home. Because <laughs> I could tell, like, if I, let's say I stroke out, right? I could totally see you show up at the hospital and be like, all right, it could be one of three different strokes. I've already <laughs> Yeah. I, I Googled this in the car over, and I need you to give me the full credence that equals your medical education so that we can discuss this treatment going forward now. Very Spencer thing to do. Uh, we cut to Logan's Fix-It Man. He says they have an area they can go. Kind of weird. Kendall asks for updates from Roman and Shiv about what happened. Basically, like, what, you know, what, what happened to him? And Roman immediately throws Shiv under the bus. This is a great Shiv-Roman episode. <laughs> yeah. Really, really top tier. He says Shiv was uh, hardballing Logan, basically setting up like, well, you know, sister stressed him out. That's what happened. Yeah, he totally had a stroke because you said no to him. You know, this is on you. Shib very punchy this episode says look they were just chit chatting and then calls Roman an asshole. We get to really we get to really see Shiv a lot more committed this episode of where I wouldn't say she was anywhere near the realms of you know Connor outsider but she was purposely out of the corporate you know world aspect of the family. She's in and in fighting in, in, in this episode more than I would have expected. Agreed. Agreed. I think Logan's episode kind of woke her up a little bit. They're all wondering what Logan's actual diagnosis is. This is the Wikipedia research you were talking about earlier. Um, a hemorrhage? A stroke? An aneurysm? Yeah. Uh, Connor offers that a stroke is a hemorrhage. Is that true? Uh, it No. They, they're separate categories of things. You can have a hemorrhagic stroke, which apparently Logan is actually diagnosed with later. It's a kind of stroke, but a stroke is a blockage. If the, if the blockage leads to rupturing and bleeding internally, that's a hemorrhagic stroke. But it does not, ne- they're not necessarily synonymous. Got it. Okay. And then Connor. <laughs> See? Really See? Medical knowledge. Look at this. Yeah, that was really impressive there. <laughs> I, just sit, I had to sit down. Ooh, almost passed out. Get him in the hospital. Connor is the best, dude. Because then he brings up, did Logan ever talk about cryogenics? Oh, God. Connor is so fun. <laughs> Hashtag on brand for Connor. Uh, Kendall calls him insane. Kendall keeps barking orders, and Shiv finally has enough, tells him to fuck off. And Connor doesn't back off the cryogenics discussion. Well, he has a crazy line where it was like, yeah, wouldn't it be just like Dad to all these other rich people walking around in new bodies? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was too embarrassed to ask the question. Something along those lines. So Connor really, um, really asking the tough questions here. I love with Connor that whenever he brings up these insane topics, you can immediately see on the face of the family that this is not the first time this has come up. That these, everything that he continually brings up, you just immediately go, what? These are recurring odd themes for him where he just fixates on ideas and then just talks about them for years, apparently. Which Kendall even brings up. He's like, dad doesn't care about cryogenics. You, he's never talked to you about cryogenics. You've talked about cryogenics to him because you're obsessed with cryogenics. Yeah. Very funny. Um, we get Greg. Oh, my God. MVP Greg. He's killing it. <laughs> Greg is on the watch. Phone, on so the phone with his mom. He is very confused. He doesn't know if he has a job. He says he only has 20 bucks left. His mom's like, I'm not sending you any more money. And Ship, Ship walks up says, you have any cash? you have any cash? 
uh, yeah, my last 20. Uh, and then he says to his mom, like muffled, like, I was just mugged by Shib. <laughs> Question, by the way. Can you even put a 20 in a vending machine? I've never tried that before. I literally have in my notes, what the hell is going on in New York? Because <laughs> I was like, do they really take 20s in vending machines in New York? Wow. Is it going to dispense back cash or do you need to spend it down or get a, you know, a jar full of quarters? It might be a $20 soda. <laughs> True. New York hospital. Who the hell knows? <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was very weird. But anyway, Shib did take Greg's last $20. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendall is reviewing a death video that ATN will release if Logan dies. Kind of a weird move from him. It, it, uh, it's, it's weird, but it's, we bashed Kendall heavily in the first episode. As, just as being, we should. As, as we should. But Catch up on a burrito. Yes, and that should not and ever be forgotten. That I actually can put that out of my head for a second. Thank you for shoving it back in there. Um, but many times over the course of this episode, he's the one who's at least attempting to be the responsible adult. He's failing because he's Kendall, but this is one of the many moments where we see he's doing things he doesn't want to do because he feels they are actually necessary for the world to not end when it opens tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess it does make sense, but... I don't know, it's just kind of weird. I don't think I'd be doing that. Um, uh, well, I mean, uh, it, it's really an interesting question to ask about how you would react when a close family member is in that kind of situation. But it, we see the two poles of it, where Kendall is trying to be responsible, disciplined, do what the world needs. Well, the rest of the family, particularly Shiv, is at least representing that all of that's inappropriate. Dad's in, Dad's in this state. Yeah, and you get to Shiv's basically position throughout the episode, which is we just stay quiet. We don't need to do anything. Um, we're doing what families do. We stay here until our dad gets better or dies or whatever. I don't, I don't know if that's really a wise decision. I don't even know if she necessarily agrees with it or if she just doesn't want other people to be controlling the narrative right now. Yeah. Um, then they're asking their contacts about what hospital is better. So they're yeah. on the phone like, oh, where did, where did Steve Jobs go when he had pancreatic cancer? <laughs> Very stupid. Steve Jobs but gets dropped a lot in this episode. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite moments in Succession is a very small moment. You likely missed it the first go-around, but oh my God, the petty is amazing. The family receives a fruit basket from Walter. Yes. Yes, they do. (laughs) The guy who runs Walter, who fucking hates his family, he sends the first fruit basket, the condolence. (laughs) And and apparently that kind of opens the gates, because at the end of this, they describe that we've got like a, what was the term? We have a jungle worth of orchids in here now or something? Yeah. Oh, my God. So fucking petty. Jerry comes in. Um, Jerry is the, uh, I guess, the general counsel of Waystar Royco. Mm-hmm. And she says she needs to talk to Kendall. Kendall, at this point, still, I guess, the de facto leader. It's kind of the jockeying for position here is weird. Um, Jerry says they need to announce a plan in order to avoid a bunch of funky chowder. <laughs> Never heard that expression before, have you? No, that one's a new one on me. I can get where she's going, but I don't know what region that particular... Um that particular phrase comes from uh they make uh they take kindle into a weird little makeshift war room they have it's kind of like what i would expect to happen if like the president was in the hospital yeah that they would just commandeer the most immediately available boardroom and just make it as they put it their war room Mm -hmm. uh i like to think that if i had a stroke um and i was out you know like kind of like logan is um, that the Mangum Talks podcast channel would have a war room in the hospital. <laughs> that we are live recording now from this major Durham hospital as our leader of this podcast is sitting at bay. We're going to keep recording until he recovers. 
hour yeah, no, or, or you'd be you'd be prepping my like you'd be prepping sarah like how to do intro outros how to bust balls create dumb segments do bad impressions oh, like really the rounding rounding out of the the whole terry I, uh lee experience I, I would be the kindle plotting out the succession scenario as, as you're on live support <laughs> funny idea they begin making a plan for logan's death and kindle is having none of it uh, Kendall finds out Logan fired Frank and hired Roman. That was a, a bit of a fucking a what moment yeah. for Kendall. It, what, fired what's, Frank. What's interesting hired is that I did not expect that the board would already know about it, which really indicates that, as you said in the prior episode, that Logan had all of this pre-planned. Yeah, I think he did. Um, but if that's true, shout out to Logan. He knew what Roman would ask for. He knows his kill. He knows his kids, and we haven't got to experience spend much time with Logan. But everything I've got about him so far is that he is an intelligent, skilled operator. Right. Beta Kendall here says he can't deal with this right now, uh, but he lays the groundwork for Logan having been out of it. He, this is something he keeps going back to, and I think that he go he goes back to this well because Logan also told him he wasn't going to take over the company. So he's like, I don't think he was well before. I think he wasn't himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to which everyone in the room um, just looks at this and just obviously thinks that's bullshit. But it would make it easier, so we'll go with that. Okay. Yeah, that's what Jerry says. She's like, look, that'd be simpler for us if we just sort of ignored everything that's happened in the previous 24 hours and just mm-hmm. kind of go back to the original plan where Kendall takes over. And Frank the is caveat, CEO. The caveat is Kendall has to get the family on board. Yeah. Which he is very flippant about, to which my response is, <laughs> good luck with that, asshole. <laughs> Shiv and Roman go into a lecture hall within the hospital. What the fuck is there about lecture hall in this hospital for? Uh, Are they be, like like St. John's or something? Like a, also a hot, like a college? It could be a teaching hospital. It also could be the uh, death. I forget the exact terms. Like death and morbidity room of where if there's any incident of where a doctor may have messed up, they have those kind of rooms available so that a full board can review you for whether you fucked up. It's a big looking room. Yeah. Um, and fucking Roman is standing on the seats. He is the worst yes. abuser of furniture mm-hmm. uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> huh. This is a recurring thing, isn't it? I just thought about that. Yes, he is an abuser of furniture. He just puts his feet on shit. Like, he has no business putting his feet on those seats. No reason. <laughs> um, Shiv is wearing one of those, and this is a real weird reference, but you know those big, like, patterned knit sweatshirts that were big in the 90s? Yes, and died there as well. Yeah, Shib looks like she's about to smoke a clove cigarette at a soundboard concert. <laughs> like, she is mid-90s personified here. Yeah, um, wow, good sell right there. <laughs> Shib and Roman get into a really stupid fight and literally start physically fighting. <laughs> this is where, I remember watching this again, right, and I'm doing my notes, and I was thinking about the comment you said where you and Bridget watched the first episode, and you were like, huh, Lee thinks this is a comedy. What does that say about him? And I was like, is this the moment where Spencer's going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, it might be a comedy. Yeah, it kind of was this moment of where it's like, oh, now I get it. I'm with you. But- <laughs> it's so, so funny watching the fight. And it's so funny how evenly matched they are. Mm-hmm. They kind of go to a draw. But the best part about this fight. Uh, oh, wh- hold on. Let me back up. I'm going to score the fight. Um, Please do. I go 9-10 Roman. I think Roman gets the first round. And then subsequent rounds, I go 10-9, 10-9 Shib. So I got Shib winning two out of three rounds. Oh, yeah. I mean, Shib did not fully anticipate how Roman would respond to her shove. Uh, that slap looked like it was generally caught right the actress off guard. <laughs> but, but, she, but anyway, the best part, after I've scored the fight, the best part is Tom walks in and immediately <laughs> leaves. <laughs> God, Tom's the most frustrating character in the show. And that says something, because Greg exists. He just walks in. Whoop. Okay. I'm not going to go in there. 
Uh, speaking of my favorite character, Greg, he is mm-hmm. talking to Marsha. What a misstep this is. Massive misstep here by Greg. Uh, and she sends him off to go get a pair of slippers. Mm-hmm. And Craig can't figure out that she just wanted him to go away. Like, he's fucking out of it. Uh, Marsha then admits she just wanted him to shut the fuck up. Like, I just wanted him to go away. Yeah, I love that Chip just turns to her and says, you know, we can send other people if you want this done. I, I love that Marsha just makes no effort to deny it. She says, I don't want this, was it, I don't want this mouse uh, coming around me. <laughs> um, Roman then says, oh, Craig, by the way, um, there's some papers oh, that Dad yes. wanted us to sign. Um, will you bring them? And he's like, uh, Greg is like, he's such a literal person. He's like, oh, well, where, where would they be? In what room? <laughs> and Roman's like, just, just in the house somewhere. They're God, in man. manila envelopes. How many could there be? Find them. <laughs> Logan's getting tested and Kendall comes back into the waiting room to talk to Shiv and Roman. Explains the plan is for him to take over. And Shiv immediately pushes back. Like we were talking about, Shiv punchy this episode. She's come alive. Mm-hmm. I, I love Kend- that every time Kendall presents these new scenarios that he needs the family to agree with, he immediately starts with, so the plan is, not the best sell. This isn't working. Don't frame it like that. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. Because he really is, like, dictating to them. And and if, I mean, you look at, I mean, at this point we don't know that much about Shiv, but we do know she's a proud person. Yes. And you need her to come along, not be dictated to. And it seems for a substantial portion of this, Roman has his own ambitions. Shiv I'm not sure about yet. But both of them seem to be at times just saying, I'm responding negatively to you because of your assumption and because you just want to take all of this over. If he'd taken any different tact for presenting these things, he might have got them on a better page. Probably still a fool's errand, but he at least have had a chance of success. Completely agree. Uh, Kendall explains that Frank is going to stay on, and now you've lost Roman. <laughs> yeah, so Roman's good gone. Good job, Kendall. <laughs> Bravo. Ship storms off, and Roman says uh, he won't die. He was talking about his dad. He says, well, he's not going to die. Question for you. Is that sweet or creepy? Uh, that is, a, I viewed it as a mix of the two, uh, sweet in the sense that I think he does kind of childlike fully expect his dad's going to make it. I also think it's self-serving in the sense that he probably realizes that if dad dies, my position dies with him. So mix of the two, mix of the two. Yeah. Greg gets back to the apartment and it, he has this great moment where he, Greg, Greg got in a taxi cab without cab fare. That is like rule number one in New York City of something you do not do. Uh, he tries to then put the doorman <laughs> in conversation with the taxi cab driver. He like literally says, like, you two are just going to have to figure this out. Like, this right. is not my responsibility. Uh, I, I've declared an interpleader action on this street. You two resolve. I'm out. Uh, Marsha comes to the rescue, calls the doorman, bailing uh, Greg out. I assume the doorman then <laughs> went on to pay the, the poor cab driver. Uh, and Greg proceeds to do exactly what 24-year-old me would do in this situation. He just plays house in Logan's apartment. He makes a sandwich. Just lays I'm telling them. you. You knew me at 24. Is there any way I would leave that apartment not hammered, not with a sandwich, and maybe even a few crystal glasses that I could pawn? No, no. You would have volunteered to go to the apartment for that purpose. You would have had aspirations and goals that Greg wasn't even attempting. For Greg, this looks like just a spur of the moment, you know, I'm going to do this now. You would have had a full plan. Oh, my God. You had to have people over. It'd be great. Uh, <laughs> we cut, But we cut to Logan's hospital bed. Marsh is there. Um, and the world's worst provider of comfort, Tom, walks in. Oh. He brings Marsha a coffee and he starts a little small talk. He says, "I uh, she uh, Marsha has a great line here. I, I don't, we're not doing best line of the episode, but this is actually 
oh, a pretty good one. Mm -hmm. She says, I actually like hospitals. Lots of people don't, but they are safe. Mm -hmm. I really like Very that reasonable line. point. Yeah, me too. Uh, like you said, she really is a, a I mean, we can talk about best character. It's a lot of things to discuss for that, but for that, but person Great. I'd mo yeah, sure. No. Um, <laughs> but person that I think is the best person to be around the most sensible individual she's got to be high on that list she does she actually seems like a really great wife mm -hmm. um and she said um <laughs> no <laughs> God, I, this quote is so bad I, i'm having trouble getting it out mm -mm. it's tom and he says the weird thing for me is i was i mean intending to talk to Logan <sighs> to make a proposal a proposal to ship heck of a time to bring that up just Please stop saying Tom lines. They hurt me. They hurt me so much. He's such an... I don't, know, I don't even know what the word to apply to this individual other than frustrating. He is just... Is he aware of how other people conceive him? I don't think so. But Yeah, she says you need to find the right time for this conversation. <laughs> including the one you're having with me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Dual meaning there. Tom pushes the issue. In the case of the worst case, uh, it would have been nice to ask his body. You can stop at any time. We don't need to ever repeat these lines again. <laughs> what the fuck? Ask uh, his body? Oh my god, Tom. The family goes in to get the diagnosis, and you have uh, previously references. He had a hemorrhagic stroke. Mm -hmm. Doctors say they aren't going to operate. The family doesn't like that. And that's when Marsha steps in and big boys, everybody, says they're staying there. No, no discussion. I am his next of kin. I am his proxy. I am in charge. Thank you. Both oh, shit. My favorite moments in the episode is just because everyone is speechless to this. Of where she just says this, she lays down the law, and they all retreat like the beaten little whippersnappers that they are. <laughs> Powerful <laughs> moment. Love it. Yeah, she does big boy them. Uh, and that's what, you know, it's it's in little moments in this first couple episodes. But you see that Marsha is not to be fucked with. No. I don't think she's, she doesn't come off to me as cruel or necessarily abjectly power hungry. But I do think that she's somebody you do not cross. It really seems like she's made a conscious choice to not get involved in the family dynamics. That she is going to be removed and even above that kind of fray. But if you force her into it, she will win. She will silence any issue, any dispute, and resolve this in a situation that is in hers and Logan's favor instantly. And that is power right there. And I think you can get a sense of why Logan likes her. Because yeah. Logan likes people, like, he, he makes no bones about it. The very first episode, he says sometimes it is a big dick measuring competition, right? It, 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 we've seen it several times that Logan likes people that commit. People that try and do. That you talk, Tell Kendall about that. That your failure is your waffling. Your fa you don't recognize that this is being the biggest person in the room. He went up to compliment that little six-year-old kid because he tried to run out that little grounder of his to get what he wanted. This is the people that, that the Logan likes and gravitates to. And you can clearly see it, as you said, with Martian. And that's why, and like, this is no spoiler or anything. Like, I just, when I was watching this, the second episode, Chitworth Fuck Factory, I'm watching it. I'm like, I think Greg is going to be a big deal. Like, eventually, I think he is. That, like, I don't, I don't know how it's going to turn out. But, like, I'm like, I, I, Logan likes that, right? Like, he likes the little plucky kid who, like, just keeps coming back. Yeah, and, and you know, that is a point in Greg's favorite. I, it hurts me to say this, but it is. That <laughs> Next CEO. He, he legitimately does try, that he makes decisions, that he goes for things, that he plots even to a certain degree with his mom, but he's plotting. Th this, you know, this could be the new CEO of Waystar Roisco. Who knows? <laughs> the effort is there. Kendall goes to meet Frank. How the hell is Frank not hammered here? 
I mean, he's worked with Logan for 35 years. He got fired at a softball game. And he just seems like he's just chilling. Like, no what problem. is the passage of time right now? How much time do you think has happened between these two events? Because we see, like, you know, a legitimate, like, 24-hour period happen over the course of this episode, right? Yeah, I still think, that, I don't know for sure, but I still think this is the night of. Yeah. Oh, wow, there's a show we could talk about at some point. <laughs> ah, true. Yeah, we'll do the first episode in there. But, yeah, um, he, he's... He comes across as very professional in this moment. That he's, you know, choosing not to participate in this game or this situation anymore. But, as you said, he is sober, he is stone cold, and he is just saying, here's the situation, here's what you can do, here's what I'm not going to do, I'm out, bye. Spencer, um, Kendall says to Frank, we could do great things together. <laughs> under any circumstance, put yourself into the show, under any circumstance, could Kendall say, we could do great things together, regardless of what he's talking about. It could be run the company, run the world, build a sandcastle, whatever. Would you ever believe it? Uh, only if their agreement occurred that he will serve as figurehead and Frank will do all the damn work. Otherwise, to the degree Kendall has any involvement whatsoever, Frank will do great things and Kendall will interfere with them. <laughs> and by the way, a small detail of the scene. Frank is still rich enough to be escorted there in an unmarked black Cadillac. So <laughs> don't feel too bad for Frank. <laughs> 35 years, the largest companies in the world. He's done okay. Uh, he's got stock options yeah i'm sure he does we cut to roman he's getting the trust documents or says he's getting the trust documents and he's going to sign them um i think this is an attempt here god the shiv roman dynamic is so weird i think he's trying to make shiv look callous Mm -hmm. like all dad's sick and you still won't sign the papers yes i mean roman's investing everything in dad's going to wake up that dad's going to be okay and every plot that he has is based around that to a certain degree uh, and so, as you said, he's trying to set this up as that dad will wake up to this scenario. Now, I'll look off greater that I signed this and you'll look like shit because you didn't. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, Shib then calls Greg, who is on a fucking bed eating a sandwich. <laughs> Shout out, Greg! Power move. <laughs> eating a sandwich. No no towel or uh, no paper towel, no plate, nothing. He's no, just crumbs, crumbs everywhere. everywhere. Uh, Ship says, don't bring the contracts. And this basically malfunctions, Greg. Um, and he has this great line. <laughs> malfunctions, Greg, is the perfect way to put that. He, uh, 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 what's the chain of command here? Are you the more senior sibling? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so good. Uh, Kendall comes in to talk to Roman. Um, he, again, is pushing this thing of, oh, Dad wasn't thinking straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says there's evidence that... Um, you know, he was fucked up that, that, that Logan was not okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman pushes back. Are you calling me a dipshit? <laughs> um, Kendall keeps pushing this theory. Uh, and he, put, he extends some olive branches here to Roman and Shib, um, who were talking about signing the trust documents. Mm-hmm. Kendall says they need to control the narrative. Um, <laughs> so I love this line coming up. Go on ahead. Uh, you can say this. I won't. <laughs> oh, Roman says, yeah. Control the narrative. You probably yell that when you come. <laughs> it is a real buzzword kind of phrase to say. It is the right word phrase to say right now. But still, yeah, it's something you read in you know, business 101. Uh, Ship says, no, we're staying tight-lipped. I'm going back to what we were talking about earlier. Ship's whole thing here is, let's hunker down. Let's not, we don't need to do anything right now. Which they, and they, and Kindle is the exact opposite. Is this the moment they actually bring up the legal aspects of this before she goes out to kind of talk to the attorney about, can we say nothing right now? Can we do nothing? Is there a precedent for this? Is this when this happens or is it later? Because they have this conversation like five times. 
I think it's right now. I okay. think SHIB, SHIB does go and ask and says, well, is there precedent for this? And they basically are like, well, it's rare, but yeah. It's like, you know, we we kind of have to say something. There's a fiduciary obligation, but we don't literally have to do the succession now. Right. Uh, cut to Tom, who is on a couch eating cake with a fork. <laughs> the Tom and Greg parallels continue. So goddamn funny. Like, he's just like, oh, I will have a slice of cake. Like, you, I just want to watch Tom all the time be bopping around. Like, he has a very uncomfortable conversation. Okay, time for some cake. Sits down, do do do, eat the cake. Okay, back up. Why? <laughs> oh, Ship's fighting. Ooh, I'm leaving the room. Why is Ship with him? Why? What aspect of their background led, led her to believe that this was the thing you want to invest in? Table it. Table it. We're going to have that conversation uh, in later episodes. Is this the moment where Connor's girlfriend walks in? Because I want to talk about that at some point. Um, Not quite yet. All right, we'll get there. Because then we cut to Greg, who's trying to figure out which slippers to get. Um, he's talking to his mom. Yeah. Uh, and he, he asks if he should follow orders from Shib or Roman. Now, Spencer, you are Greg. Mm-hmm. You just had yourself a nice Sammy on the, uh, on the bed. Mm-hmm. Which side are you picking? Shib or Roman? Uh, you know... I thought about this over the course of this episode because this is, it is an important question. And again, it's a point in Greg's favor that he's actually trying to plot with respect to this and work it out. He's calling his mom, but, you know, support network. He's trying to make a decision. Uh, I actually agree with the decision he makes. I would go with Ship. That Roman is so flighty that he is so, you know, blown along by the winds will forget something so quick that I don't think that disappointing him would have the same long-term effect as disappointing Shib. And Shib looks like if she ever wants to invest in this game, she'll win. So long-term plan rather than short-term plan, but I'm going with Shib. Yeah, I would too. Um, I think I would go with Shib over any of the siblings, uh, but Roman might be my last. Yeah. Maybe Connor. Connor might be last, but Roman's down there. <laughs> Connor would give you some great unleavened bread that you can just, you know, delight. Here's the dough. Have fun with it. Uh, in oh, God, a 400-year-old yeast starter. <laughs> but in terms of immediate benefit, if you're going to like short-term, long-term, I think that Kendall would give you the most immediate... You, know, he, you would give it a job right now if, he, if you helped him. Whereas Shib may give you even more than that if you help her long-term. Right. Kendall then uses the opportunity to call Lawrence. Lawrence heads Volter. Volter is the organization that sent the first fruit basket <laughs> yes. upon hearing that Logan was sick. Uh, Kendall says, I'm calling to give you a reminder. Your dick is in my pocket. Dickless Dickleby. What, what's the point of this conversation? What the fuck? What? He's so. I'll, t- I'll tell you the point. I, I actually, I think I know. Mm-hmm. I think it's Kendall trying to act on the advice his dad gave him, which is sometimes <laughs> it's a big dick measuring contest. He said that line in reference to how he interacted with Volter during the acquisition. And now he's just throwing dick references around. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good call. And that just shows what a fucking idiot this guy is to think he can do this on the phone remotely in this moment of weakness. And it does the exact opposite of, of what he wants. Of course it Lawrence, does. Lawrence says, well, we have editorial independence that was in the acquisition documents. Uh, and Kendall tries to punk him again. Um, and then Lawrence just hangs up, immediately calls one of his editors and says, well, let's put something together on the shit show that is the Roy family. And again, uh, you, you last episode talked about that Lawrence is eventually going to be eaten alive. This is the moment where we see a character plan his own death, I feel. Because to the degree that uh, Logan ever recovers you've just signed your own death warrant by doing that yeah agreed uh, not smart um, back at the hospital Roman and Shib are talking about who will be interim CEO and Shib shuts down the idea of Roman mm-hmm. uh, which is justified is Shiv 
what is Shiv? What is Shiv's own ambitions here? I got. I know you know more going forward, but watching this episode, do you get the read that she is in some way wanting someone to put her name forward, or is she just trying to avoid any other family member filling that gap now? I, it, I think that's up for interpretation. Uh, I would say that every time the idea is broached that Shib have more of a role in the succession, mm-hmm. she does not seem to hate it. No, and I almost think that's part. I don't know if she. It, we, I don't know how conniving of a character she is, but I almost wonder whether it's a not something that she's directly pondered. It's subconscious, but that she's purposely trying to prevent either, any other family member from filling that gap, so that in the event that she wants to later, she can try to make a move for it. Yeah, that's kind of how I read it. I mean, it, it seemed to me that she was definitely interested, um, but of course has no leg to stand on, which Kendall points out later because she's not with the family. She's never worked for the company. Not not with the company, I mean, uh, never worked with the company, so like it wouldn't make a lot of sense to just yeah, <laughs> name yeah. her as CEO right now. Agreed, agreed. And she, she, to the point that she has to even laugh off when Tom, loyal little puppy that he is, throws her name in the ring later. Well, this is not before that. Not before Tom actually throws or Shib throws Tom's name out. He says, "Oh, Tom," and they all just kind of like look, laugh. roll their eyes, <laughs> yeah. And they decide on Jerry, uh, the dutiful general counsel, mm-hmm. Star Royco, Jerry. Um, they send the worst possible envoy to talk to her. And that Roman. Is Roman. Why? <laughs> uh, he says, how you doing? She says, well, it's a little hard for me to be here. This is where they took my husband. He goes, oh, your husband is the one with the turtles? She says, yeah. Oh, how is he? He's dead. dead. <laughs> it's Roman really sucks at schmoozing people. He's awful. And he even admits that later because then he tries to give her a compliment and kind of come back from this sort of, oh, I forgot that. Or, I either forgot or never knew that your husband died. Yeah. Um, and I love his says, yeah, sorry, he ahead. says, you're a real good job doer. <laughs> That's business talk right there. Yeah, what were you going to say? I, I just love his reference throughout all of this of where, you know, just, I, you know I, I don't do the foreplay. I, I don't do that. That's his way of framing this. No shit. <laughs> yeah, and I love, like, the, it, it's weird. I'd like to talk to somebody who, like, actually lives in this type of world. Mm-hmm. Do they really talk like this? Because I think he says, I just love, I, I think he says something like, I'd just rather lube up and fuck. And I'm like, I, I can't imagine speaking that way in business at all. I have to imagine, I have to imagine that it is almost, there is an element of training that the various actual proper business people in this company have to go through to be able to hear lines like that and not actively start laughing or run out of the room. Because if somebody told me that, like in a war, professional situation, I'd be like, who are you? Like, I can't, I can't work with you. Fucking maniac. It's like the moment that Kendall started bringing out with his dudes and all his other lines in the midst yeah. of being with Lawrence. The moment I heard that, if I was in Lawrence's position, I was like, okay, I'm out. I can never work with this. I will never be able to take you seriously. Gone. <laughs> right there with you. Um, but then Roman eventually gets around to a little bit of flattery that I think Jerry likes. He calls her a stone-cold killer bitch. Yeah. And Jerry says, who says you don't know how to flirt? <laughs> it's one of the things where she could have been making fun of him in line, but I agree with you. She seems to take that as the compliment it's intended to be. Yep. Uh, Kendall sees the story about his family on Volter, which he is indirectly responsible for. That, that headline alone tells us just how... This is not even BuzzFeed. I'm not even sure what website this is, but it is a trash rag, if that's the headline they're going with. <laughs> Oh, it's awful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's but that's the thing that continues to roll into Kendall's decision making because he felt like this acquisition of this just dirt peddling shit website mm-hmm. that probably has like 
take this 10 question quiz about which friend episode is your favorite, <laughs> or, you know, which Seinfeld character you are, some yeah. lame shit like that. And he thinks it's like the, the end of the world. And I think that that, um, both in how he handled that acquisition, but also the emphasis he put on it is, is part of the reasons why Logan just pulled the plug. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he thinks in this moment, I need to go call this guy because that's the most important business decision I can make. Just Yeah, he is so wrong and skewed of priorities. He thinks this is the future of our world. So dumb. Um, Shiv walks into the waiting room, wait, waiting room followed by Kendall. And now we have the character you wanted to talk about, Wyla. Thank you. Uh, because... Th- this is just an interesting thing to reveal and talk about. Uh, Wyla says she's sorry about Logan and Kendall says thanks, but ask her to leave. Yeah, I looked it up. These characters, the actual actors are like more than 30 years apart. And I would think the show is implying that the uh, age gap is even larger. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Wyla's like in her mid-20s, it looks like. Um, and I think Connor is probably mid-60s. Yeah, and the actors, the actual actor is in mid-60s and she's 30. But I think yeah, I agree with you. I think they're pushing it even farther. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, he also asked Tom to leave, and Tom's like, well, "I'm not like her." Like, <laughs> and Shib says, "No, he stays." Shib is interesting because, you know, we're gonna. I, I told you we'll table the conversation about why Shib likes Tom, but she does in moments speak up for him. Like here, she's like, "No, he stays." Yeah. Like, and there's another moment later in the episode where she shuts down any criticism of Tom as well. So she does take his back. And that may be self-serving to a certain degree. He is kind of her proxy in the company. That as long as he's part of the room, part of the discussion, she has an in. And I think they structured it that way. I think that's kind of like out in the open between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Ship still is continuing to push this thing that they stay silent. Kendall again pushes for him to take over. Tom oddly offers to go get Kendall sandwiches. (laughs) Or to take over. Or to take over North American Parks. I mean, either one. Sandwiches, North American Parks. You let me know. He says, fuck off, Tom. And then this is the moment I was talking about. Ship says, fuck you, Kendall. Don't talk to Tom like that. Mm-hmm. And Tom immediately, so beta. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. He can, he can tell me to fuck off. That's okay. <laughs> oh, I hate Tom so much. Shiv makes the point that the only person they know for certain Logan doesn't want running the company is Kendall. What a great, great way to frame that. Well, look. Yeah. Just seven hours ago... He made it clear he doesn't want you running the company. So you're the only one here. You would be at the bottom of the list. Yeah. Seven billion people in the world that we know that he would pick in front of you. <laughs> uh, Roman says Kendall was fired. Kendall pushes back and says, was it fired? He just said he's going to delay it. And then Roman has this line. What I think he meant to say is he wishes mom would have given birth to a can opener because at least that would be useful. <laughs> Burn. Burn. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's those kind of insults that always hurt them more because you can just hear them hearkening back to something he said to them when they were like 10. This this is going a long train of insults going back to childhood right there. Yeah, I have no doubt that Logan at some point said, I wish you were a can opener because then you, at least you would be useful. <laughs> that is a, Yeah, that would be a very Logan line right there. Kendall says, all right, Shiv, what do you have against me? Uh, she's like, nothing. He goes, no, no, seriously. She's, oh, oh, you really wanted me to say? Okay, you lack killer instinct. You're wet. You're green. You're an intellectual insecure. You're not emotionally strong enough. You have addiction issues. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't think all that. I'm just trying to be dad's voice. Roman, bravo. <laughs> Excellent impression. You're channeling him right there. <laughs> oh, so funny. Tom pitches Shib. Um, why didn't Shib do it? And she says, no, no, no. Uh, not me. But again, doesn't seem to hate the idea. She's no, not saying no, no with 
any conviction. Yeah, this is the Julius Caesar rejecting the crown kind of thing. She has to reject it in this moment because, of course, it's ridiculous. But there's a little smile on her face as she does it. And every scene where they just everybody says, well, you know, it's ridiculous for Shiv to take it, there's a look on her face of where, yeah, of course it's ridiculous. You think that now. Connor says he... Yeah, you know, I, I don't think I'd be a better CEO. That goes unsaid. <laughs> Kendall says it's not unsaid if you said it. Yeah. Is Connor Hola- really putting himself forward here? It's unclear. I mean, you, I can't wait for you to see where this character goes. Uh, yeah. It's it's very difficult to tell what he's serious about and what he isn't. Okay. Uh, Kendall's whole approach here seems to be framing everything as if Roman, Shib, and Connor have no other option. It's him or nobody. Yeah. Uh, and this is not a line of logic that Shib is taking to at all. Not. Roman calls Greg. <laughs> And he, I can't tell what this is. I guess it's sweet. He asked him to pick up a sweater that Logan has worn because he just wants to have something that smells like him. I, I don't, yeah, it's said. I'm not sure whether he's, whether this is sweet or tactical, where he's just trying to plant the scene for when Logan wakes up, or if he legitimately is a daddy's boy that care, that's, you know, hearkening back to childhood with his dad. I don't know at this moment. I don't either. Um... But he does threaten to cut Greg's dick off if he tells anyone about the request. Yes. Casually. It's an off, you know, turning off the message kind of thing. Uh, Greg knocks over some sort of metal sculpture and it makes a ringing sound. A housemaid comes in and he says, I'm sorry if my bell summoned you. <laughs> That's a wonderful line. <laughs> oh, Greg is the best. Uh, Kendall's ex walks in. Ooh. Uh, she talks a little bit with Kendall. And then she starts laughing when he's explaining the whole dynamics about, you know, who's going to be interim CEO, et cetera, and says the whole Roy family is fucked, basically. Yes. Um, she gives him a hug to say she's sorry. Um, Kendall gets an erection during said hug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, hey, look, you know, sorry. Spunkati. Whatever. Uh, he says, but I'm, I'm glad you're here. And she says, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> but they're holding hands. And I have a big problem with this scene because I feel like the ex is trying to be helpful, but it's false hope. If you're not going to get back with him, you can't cross that line of the hand-holding and the the really long hugs and the joking about his erection. Like, you got to cut that line off. Like, you you have to have a line. You do, but you know this is all too common in terms of the situation of where she wants the relationship to be this kind of still close thing. But, as you said, it is all kinds of false signs that clearly Kendall's grabbing onto. Yeah, I just don't think it's helpful to him emotionally at all no. uh short-term gain long-term pain something trite like that anyway uh do, do you th- what do you think about her feelings from right now does she still care for him but just in not the way that he wants i think she cares for him in the way that you care for someone you feel sorry for not someone you love yeah and that is a probably very accurate read of that scene that kendall is just not getting yep ship walks in the hall and uh tom uses this moment to ask her to marry him Taking a swing here. Tom taking a shot. I, I actually stopped the episode and walked away for 10 minutes. I, I could not continue right then. God, this show is amazing. Um, she fires back. What about my dad dying in a sterile environment? Screams big romantic gesture to you. Good summary, Shiv. Tom, um, answer. He Tom beta. Tom is beta. He understands that Shiv is an alpha. So he goes hard beta movie. He says, sorry, I misjudged it. Forget it. Shiv then turns on a dime, and I think that's part of their dynamic, is that Shiv likes being the alpha. As long as Tom takes the beta, she'll respond positively, which she does here. And she says, look, just do it again another time. But oh, by the way, when you do, I'm going to say yes. 
again. And they I, hug and kiss. So welcome to the family, Tom. I, I feel like Shib at some point in her life confused a boyfriend with a puppy. That she wants one of those <laughs> things, but is conflating the two. <laughs> oh my God. Great line, Spencer. That is absolutely true. It's like like Tom's like her little proxy in the company and basically a pet. Yeah. Um, and she loves it whenever he, he kind of huddles up as, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no you're yeah. right. You're right. That's she, when she's most attracted to him. Yeah. She clearly responds to that. If that works for them, okay. I just don't get it at all. Yeah, it's pretty lame. Greg finally makes it back with a pair of shoes and a sweater. <laughs> and he's like, I got the slippers. And she says, put them away. Marcia tells him, put put the slippers away. We don't, we don't really need them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Tom notices Greg. I, I, I love it also. It's, it's not that just put the slippers away. It's just put them outside the room where you go right now. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, she's not having it with this guy. Uh, and then we have another great Tom and Greg moment where Tom is just basically taking out all of his pent up frustration on Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, uh, so you got the slippers. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes you Prince charming and charming. And he says, I guess so. And he's, Oh my God, are you saying you want to fuck Marsha? Like what the hell? He's keeping Greg's head on a swivel. Mm-hmm. This seems, this seems to be Tom and very accurately recognizing that Greg is very much him 10 years in the past. That he is seeing a rival right here. Oh, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a real rival for Tom. I think he senses it already. That's why at the end he kind of like, hey, look, you ever get serious, you know, come to me. I'll take care of you. Uh, mm, pretty condescending. Pretty condescending. But Greg really appreciates it in the moment. All he's looking for right now is this. You want some certainty as to what his future is going to be. And he finally has somebody guaranteeing it to him. And I don't think Tom is necessarily, you know, lying to him here. He I don't either, but I don't, I'm not sure he has the, the juice to really help him. Oh, no, you can get him a job. It's just not a job that's going to have any chance of future progression or actually leadership in the company. Right. Some guy like Korean lattes, basically. Oh, yeah. Here's the mail room. You live here for the next 40 years. Bye. Yeah. Kendall asks to talk to Logan. Um, wait a second. Does he? I don't know why I have that. Uh, anyway, um, mm. scratch that. Kendall pitches the idea of him being CEO for like the 45th fucking time yeah. uh, to Roman. Oh, I know. I know what I, I, I screwed up. Kendall asked to talk to Roman. He pulls yes. Roman aside and he pitches the idea of him being CEO and Roman is COO basically Frank's out. Um, he acts like this is like something he's giving Roman. I mean, Frank has already said he's not willing to come back, so it doesn't yeah. matter. This is um, the only viable option you had from the very start of the episode because you need Roman's support. You've, this is not something that you're, you know, giving him. This is the only compromise you had, and Roman knew this. Yeah, Roman says, okay, I'm not uninterested. Um, <laughs> Roman explains that Jerry just turned down the top job, and that immediately pisses Kendall off that anybody approached Jerry about taking it. And they have a very awkward handshake hug. Um, cut to uh, a room, waiting room, the main, I think the primary waiting room, where Roman is and... Connor comes in and starts kissing Wyla uh, like a lot, uh, like making out. Stop, stop it, please. <laughs> Do you have it now, now? Okay, you got Connor and Wyla. Obviously, there's a big age difference. Do you have a sense of their dynamic or their history or anything? I it, no, I can I can you know hypothesize out, but no, I don't have enough frame of reference to assume anything going right now. But I mean any massive excessive public displays of affection between couples already make me uncomfortable it's just like no stop it dude these two in particular just make it all the worse so we do find out their dynamic and their history in later episodes do you care to venture a guess 
I don't mean, I almost assumed it was professor student kind of thing of where just based on the age difference and based on what I saw the situation, but I don't have enough to really, to really uh, ponder out beyond that. Okay. Well, we can go back to that. Uh, if you do actually come up with a theory, um, Greg tells Roman, Oh, I forgot the papers. So sorry. I was just concentrated on the slippers. <laughs> He sells this well. He does sell it well. And Roman, as predicted, just kind of, you know, brushes it off. Is that quite sure? Whatever. Yeah, I got other things to worry about. Shib uh, turns, has a little moment there with Greg where she declares, she, you know, she thanks him. Uh, Greg at this point has declared for House Shib. Oh, yeah. Um, He's in her corner, which is what we both thought is the right move. And his little smile he has as he walks away, legitimately a heartwarming moment in this episode. I hate Greg. He's the most frustrating, difficult, one of the most frustrating, difficult people to watch in this entire show. But... I'm really happy for him here. He had a win. He had a legitimate win that he earned. I love Greg. How dare you? Um, <laughs> He's just hard to watch. His awkwardness, yeah. you know, manifested in a person. That's that's the show. That's Succession. Yeah, it is. Uh, Jerry asks where they are, um, and Shib says, "Okay, we've decided." Kendall is CEO. Roman is COO. Shim says, and then Shim follows up with, for the record, I think this is an absolute fucking disaster. <laughs> Making a note of that on the official transcript. Uh, Jerry pulls Kindle aside out into, I guess, the ceiling of the hospital, um, or the, the roof of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tells him about a massive debt problem the company has. Apparently, back in 1985, Logan wanted to expand into parks, mm-hmm. um, which, in order to do so, he had to raise a bunch of capital. Uh, he took out a loan behind the board's back and then ended up rolling that debt into other debt with the company. Jerry explains that the debt is backed by Waystar Royco's stock. And if the stock dips below 130, that the debtor can immediately pursue repayment. Kendall says, well, they'd never do that. I mean, there's no precedent for that. It's kind of stupid. And he said, get, Jerry explains, well, yeah, not really, but they don't have any faith without Logan yeah. that this company is going to be successful. So it might be in their, they might perceive it in their best interest to go ahead and get whatever capital they can now before the whole ship kind of crash and burns. Yeah. They're, essentially, their collateral is the reputation by which Logan conveys. That his standing as a recognized individual is securing their loan. To the degree he's not there, they're no longer confident in their investment, and they will take what they can while this ship sinks. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to some lackeys breaking down the war room. The doctor gives an up- update. He says, look, we hoped he'd be responsive by now, but he's not. But the good news is he's stable. And then Roman, Shib, Connor, and Kendall all sort of take turns wishing Logan well. Marsha is still by his side. Uh, Greg finally gets some sleep in what, the, like the sanctuary room or something? You know, like, there's always like a little church room or whatever in hospitals. Is there? It, I mean, I've, I've, I've yeah. never seen that in any hospital I've ever been in, which, you know, may say something more about me than about the hospitals. But it does, it does, <laughs> does show up in a lot of movies and television shows. No, it's a real thing. Okay. Uh, it's a real thing. I, I know because I had a little Baptist grandmother. Uh, <laughs> who would always go there uh, if anybody was in the hospital. I'm gonna, I, I, every now and then I have to go to hospitals for various things. I'm going to go find out that place. I want to see it personally just because I have no prior exposure. Interesting place for Greg to decide to sleep. But, I mean, whatever. He's a, he, He's got some alone time. It's a bench and he's alone. That's the main things you need to sleep. Uh, everybody goes home. And the episode ends with Logan waking up, which I'm very glad. I could not go more than about one episode without Logan screaming at people. So I'm, I'm glad to see he's back. <laughs> It, yeah, All right. It, it is. I agree. It's a wonderful moment to end this show on because it immediately upends what so many characters have been plotting around over the course of this episode. Because so many characters had been investing in the idea that this guy is going to die. And that's no longer true. 
Nope. So we get Logan starting episode three. That is the end of episode two of Succession. Shit show at the fuck factory. Spencer, any parting thoughts about this episode? This is the episode that really finally gave me a good read on the show. First episode, like we talked about, I didn't know how to take it and experience what the show is offering. And you thought I was just psychotic by thinking it's a comedy. Well, I already had basis for that thought. So this is added into it. Uh, now I understand where you're coming from and I'm in. I'm invested. This show is great. It, it's really good. It, it is a unique kind of comedy. It has elements of drama attached to it. You can experience it in both ways. But as you said when we were, before we were texting, we were setting this up, it is best to take this as absurd. This is absurd, and it is great to view it in that light. So, having a lot of fun with the show. Looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm glad we're doing it. Um, I'm glad we're doing it in this format. It's it's not a super serious show. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's awkward. I like the idea of like basically a well done, high production value office shit like the show like the office in the corporate world that's kind of where we're at, we're oh. at with it you're going to care about the characters eventually mm-hmm. i already, already care um, about some of these guys right yeah greg tom um and <laughs> none of them <laughs> but you're always your gonna others? laugh you're always gonna laugh you're always gonna be uncomfortable and that's what i like about the show damn straight cool all right spencer i really enjoyed it let's do it again next week sounds like a plan man all right see you <laughs>